Here we are. This is it? The haunted house? Yeah, come on in, it's fine. I promise, they're waiting. Look at this place. Look at that staircase. Oh, and those cobwebs. Oh, how lovely. And the spiders. Oh, that one is magnificent. Mm. Spiders. Uh, no thanks. Uh, it's going to be fine. They'll be very disappointed if we're not happy to be here. Okay, you know, you still haven't told us who they are. You know, they. The ones behind the doors, they have stories to tell us. They're very excited about being in a podcast, and you don't want to make them angry, I promise. I thought you said there'd be an audience. Well, look at all the spiders, and I'm sure there are some... There, see? Rats. <laughs> Probably some mice and... Bats? Hey, Green, I bet there are some dolls looking around here. There are definitely a few dolls in rooms. I'll wait over there across the street. Oh, come on. Are you chicken? Absolutely. Same here. Almost live from an undisclosed location in Chicago. Undisclosed haunted house in Chicago. You're listening to Small Fish, Radio Theater, and Thespinaria. We're your hosts, Herzovi and Green. Sharing their talent with us again are our very own... Miss Kitten. And... Joy Thorbjornson Coates. And we're pleased to welcome two new voices to our ensemble. Mark Cater. And... Sharon Phillips. Small Fish Radio Theater, providing portable theater for the ear is here to give voice to playwrights, poets, storytellers, and musicians. Tonight, Small Fish Radio presents a live recording of their latest podcast, The Creatures Inside. Hey, the door's locked. Of course it is. Uh, I, I don't like that. What if we want to get out? We can't get out until we go into every room. And you knew this? Of course. Oh, come on. That sounds like a hoot. Which room should we go into first? All right, how does it all work? Simple. Once we open every door, they'll set us free. Seriously? Oh, fine. Then let's open this one. Nice end to a first date. I'm not usually that aggressive. It's okay. We're exactly where I want to be. Naked in your bed. <laughs> and long after most of my recent dates have ended. I know that feeling. So, do you want me to stay the night? I insist. Means you're stuck with having breakfast with me. My toast skills will astound you. It's a date. <laughs> I'll see you in the AM. Good night, Asher. Good night, Julie. Well, I must have tuckered her out. Do you have a roommate? We're sleeping. Are you deaf or just rude? She's out like, hello? Hello. I could have sworn. Coming from the closet. What are you doing in there? Are you some kind of sick pervert? Ah! 
We have to get out of here. There's a clown in your closet, an evil clown. What? Some psycho in a clown suit. Raise your sharp teeth, holding a bloody meat cleaver. You're dreaming. I've had clown nightmares ever since one threw up on me in fifth grade. Well, I can't wait to hear the details of that childhood trauma. What are you doing? Seeing for myself. Are you crazy? He'll kill us both. I'd like to see him try. Watch out, you creepy clown guy! I've got a gun! Please don't shoot my clothes. It's empty. The evil clown was just in your imagination. My imagination is not that vivid. We talked a lot about your past tonight. Maybe that stirred up some repressed memories. Yeah, maybe. Mm, let's get back to bed. Mm, good idea. Good night, Asher. Good night, Julie. I wish I could fall asleep that easily. Asher. Did I wake you? Asher. Creepy clown guy? Asher. How'd you get under the bed? Asher. When I was little, my mom told me if I looked under the bed, I'd see there were no monsters. And there aren't. Just a rotted corpse. Which proves I'm dreaming. Hey, hey, let, let go of me! What? Oh, you're pretty strong for a dead guy. Oh, come on! The snake slithering out of the skull's eye has been done. Oh, God. Oh, God, it's curling up my arm! Oh, there's another one on my leg! Ow, oh, oh, where are they all coming from? Ah, oh, something's falling out of the mattress. What is it? I, oh, my God, it's bugs! Thousands of them. Oh, they're crawling all over! Oh! Aha! Asher! Oh, oh. Get me out of here! Get me out of here! What? I don't, I don't see anything. Spider centipede snakes! Oh, you're dreaming again. So intensely that you fell out of bed. No, something dragged me under it. Another killer clown? A corpse. Under my bed? When was the last time you dusted under there? There's nothing there. Are you sure? If I found a corpse under my bed, I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep on it. Now, come join me. There's something seriously wrong here. You're in a strange house. It's not that strange. Well, it, it wasn't until I tried to fall asleep. I'll hold you tight to keep the bad things away. Mm, that sounds nice. Uh, let me use the bathroom first. Do you want me to come with you? I don't need anybody to hold my hand. I'm wide awake and we left the lights on. Could you turn them off on the way back? Oh, one date and we're already like an old married couple. <laughs> I hope I don't look like an old lady. I doubt you ever will. Pull yourself together, Asher, man. It's, you've got a beautiful girl that's into you. Don't screw this up. You... Uh, why does she have a big picture of her grandfather in the bathroom? Kinda looks like my father. <gasps> it moved! Oh. No. No, this can't be my reflection. It's so old. Oh. I'm decrepit, wrinkled, balding, liver spotted. How did this happen? Oh, this has to be a hallucination. There's no way somebody as hot as Julie would date that creepy old man in the mirror. Oh, why is this happening? So, oh, oh, maybe she has something in here to relax. Wow, this medicine cabinet's full of a lot of needles. 
I hope she's diabetic, not a drug addict. Jesus! Was that the light bulb? It's pitch dark in here. I've never seen it so dark. Ju- No. I'll have to deal with this freak out on my own. Ow! What was that? Ow! Ow! Her needles are flying at me! Ow! Ow! Oh, where the hell's the door? Oh! Oh! Ow! Where's the door? Oh! Oh! Holy shit! Oh! Oh! I almost fell down and... Elevator shaft? Oh, that's impossible! Her house is only on two floors. Oh! Oh, I can't see the bottom! Where on earth are What? What is that now? What? Oh, the walls are closing in! Oh, sure. Why not? I'll believe anything at this point. Oh, this anxiety attack has triggered my claustrophobia. Oh. You again! Oh, that's it! Wake up, Asher! Wake up! Wake up, Asher! Asher! Oh, thank God you found me. Why are you in my closet? You're... Uh, I thought this was the bathroom. Oh, you didn't use it, did you? No! I, um, I must have fallen asleep and, and had more bad dreams. Oh, you poor, tortured soul. I'm not usually this high-strung, honest. Maybe it's the adrenaline from earlier? Maybe, but I should leave. If you think that's for the best. Where, where, where's my clothes? How quickly you forget. We left a trail from the living room to the bedroom. Well, I'll collect them on the way out. You'll call me, right? You want me to? Yes. But next time, we'll go to your place. Good idea. Good night. Night. What? Ladies and gentlemen, wait. Asher Wallace. Wait, wait. I don't have any clothes on. <gasps> I, I, I've had this nightmare all my life, but there's no way. Look at him. No oh. way. This, this can't be happening. I, I can explain. Where are you taking me? Save it for the judge. Move. I, Silence. Where am I going? Silence. Hey. Hey, you can't just lock me down here. I have rights. You'll rot in here. At least let me put on some clothes. Right? Right? Told you we were exactly where I wanted to be. You give good fear, Asher Wallace. I'll be feasting on you for weeks, and then you'll join your friend under the bed. Look out! Look, there's a note in a bottle. Well, read it. Uh, that was Fear Itself by Tom Miseraca of Tarzana, California. Okay, that's it. I'm out of here. Can't we just open all the doors real fast and shut them and be done with it? 
disappointing. This one is stuck. Help me out here, guys. Come on. One, two, three. <sighs> Flashlight? Check. Machete? Check. Protein bars? Oh, not nearly enough. Check. Just have to make it to the front door. I can do this. I can do this. Shit. Uh, moving beyond man. Repeat. Creatures are beginning to move beyond man. Their trajectory is unknown, but this station strongly recommends anyone listening to this broadcast to stay indoors at all costs. How do you turn this damn thing off? These creatures are ruthless and known to exterminate humans on sight. Again, while unconfirmed, we are getting reports that the Hadron Collider facility in Arcadia has opened some sort of rift in space. Annabelle? Annabelle, is that you? I can't see you. Oh, my word, I was in a dream somewhere else. Sorry, Tess. Just the radio, the, the, the alarm for your pills. I was, uh, I was just getting them ready. What's the backpack you got? You leaving me here, girl? No. I thought... I thought maybe I might scout around the cabin. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe things have changed out there. Bull crap. Never trust you farther than I can throw you. And at my age, that ain't far. Can't trust you, just like your daddy. You getting my pills or not, girl? Coming up. What did they say? What did who say, Tess? On that liberal talk box you love so much. It's all a false flag, you know. Tentacle monsters, interdimensional whatnots, whatever you want to call them, just another way to control us, Annie. It's just a, a bunch of liberal mumbo jumbo hoke, Missy. They said the government is there, that help is there. And you believe them? Of course you believe them. Annabelle Snyder will believe anything. Well, I remember in this very cabin back in 92, your Uncle Bert had y'all in a tizzy about snipe hunting. Said that snipes were big hairy beasts that lived out in them woods. Convinced you to go on a stakeout with him trying to find one. You was so scared you pissed your little panties. You have a very selective memory, which isn't surprising considering... Don't you go there now. Huh, Uncle Bert... Bert took me snipe hunting because you were so loaded you couldn't even stand. You never had a problem with me seeing you like that, but at least your brother did, Tess. It'd be nice if ever once in a while you could call me mother. Here's your damn pills, mother. What in God's good earth? You, you beast, get these pills off of me. What's wrong with you, Annie? That's a month's supply. A month's supply? It's all that's left. And you're just gonna dump them in my lap and leave me to rot? What did they say on the radio, Annabelle? What did they say, you dirty little liar, you dirty little... They li said they're coming. The creatures are coming, and you know as well as I do, they're real as all hell, and they're coming for everyone. I have my God, and I have my conviction. I am not afraid. Good. Annie, wait. Wait, what'll I eat? My legs are shot, Annie. What'll I eat? 
<laughs> Do you have any idea how good it feels to hear you say that? How dare you? I'm not... How many times did I ask myself that question as a kid? How many times did I come home to an empty table? Vile evil, just like your daddy. Oh, yeah? And who's that? Bill, Tom, Jake? You dirty little whore. If there's a god, which I reckon there ain't, if there's a god, he knows justice. The creatures will come for you first, and they will eat you slowly, painfully. They'll savor every last bite. You can't leave me here. I'm your mother. No matter what. No matter what. You can't change that. I'm your mother, Annabelle. Annie, Annie, please don't leave me here. I'm your mother. You're a lot of things to me, Tess. But you were never... Not once, not even for a second, were you ever my mother. You get back here, you dirty bitch. You can't do this to me, Annabelle. Annabelle, they'll get you too, Annie. By all that's good and holy, they'll get you too. Another note. That was Creatures by John Fisher of Chicago. So those creatures outside, uh, that was just part of the story, right? Uh, we, we don't need to be afraid to go out or anything, right? Sure. Whatever you like. Hey, just, just open the next one so we can get out of here, will you? See, that wasn't so bad, was it? Maybe all the rest of the doors are like that. Okay, my turn. Here goes. So listen, I'm getting in the elevator so I may lose you. You, know, you there? Hello? Yeah, oh, good. Okay, so where was I? Uh-huh, no. No, no, no. You got to cut up the body first. Then you put it in the drum. The drum. Are you still there? Yeah, a 55-gallon drum. Did you get it? The drum. Okay. Hold on. Let me call you right back. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I was saying, you got to cut up the body first. You lay out some, uh, what do you call it, some, some tarps. Then cut up the body. Oh, but don't leave big pieces. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. The wait, hands wait. and arms first. Then the rest. Right. Yeah, then put it all in the drum with the acid. Did you get the acid? Right. Now, now listen carefully. You gotta add acid to the water, not the other way around. I don't know why, that's what they taught us in high school. Water first, then acid. Right. Careful for the splashing. Hello, did I lose you? Hello? Okay, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Then seal up the drum and wait for Bobby. I don't know, a week or two. Don't dissolve that quickly. That's why Bobby will pick it up. Hey, listen, Ma, this is my floor. I gotta go. Give my love to Pops. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I love you, too. Bye.
we go. And that was Overheard Cell Phone Conversation by John Tomcue of Chicago. Oh man, this door here is hot. Here, this one is cold. The chill on the wind held a secret. I closed my eyes, listened for the scent. I could not hear it, this secret. Yet, the chill told me I must hurry. She was ill, and the runner had said they feared death. As I moved through the woods, I remembered a time before I was young, before the medicine healing had come to me. The very woods I walked through now held the place Brother Bear had sought to harm her and her child. I had interceded, barehandedly wrestling with the bear, somehow sending the beast into the deep woods, leaving us both to heal our cuts and bruises. <laughs> she had told the tribe how I had saved her and the child. The village celebrated me for what I had done. At the naming ceremony, my friends and family told that I would now be called Strong Fist, for that is our Cherokee tradition. After a life-changing event, a new name might be presented to you. I tried to wear the name with humility, for though I was known as Strong Fist, my touch was gentle. Soon after, I began my journey to become a medicine man. <laughs> that seemed a lifetime ago. Its calling brought me back to the present. The caw of death prickled my skin. As fast as my aged legs could carry me, Yes, strong fist, smell me now, Ravenmocker, the death upon the wind. <laughs> See, the setting sun, my time is nigh upon you. I came to her hut, panting heavily, my heart aching. The village elders and the family looked at me through grim eyes, and I now saw a glimpse of hope. Hope, silly fools. Soon I, Raven Mocker, Heart Eater, Life Stealer, will have her heart. I entered her hut. She lay quietly on her bed of animal skins. A weak smile touched her lips. <laughs> Go ahead, smile, woman. It is your last. I moved to her bedside and placed my cool hand on her fevered brow. I tried to smile with confidence and peace. I made a healing tea out of mint leaves, greenbrier root, and dried blackberries. I helped her drink it. I picked up my rattle and sang her a song of peace, joy, and healing. Yo ho ho ho, hey yo, hey yo, ya ya ya. This song has power. I must take her now. Before I had finished, that secret for which I had searched earlier in my life was making itself known. I smiled to her. I rose. I stood in the doorway. 
my senses reaching out into the sunset. Feel my fear in your heart, strong fist. A horrific chill deepened its grip on my heart. Yes, tis I, Raven Mocker, Heart Eater, Life Stealer. <laughs> the secret for which you have searched. In all my years as a medicine man, I had searched for a way to destroy this death dealer, these witches who could become near invisible, preying on the sick and old. I had heard the stories, how raven mockers could enter one's body unseen and tear out a person's heart, eating the heart raw, tasting the life, adding to its own lives the days of life left they were stealing from their victims and then retreat without leaving a scar. I saw its flash and spark in the distance. It was coming. Yes, tis I, raven mocker. <laughs> Those gathered near began to flee in terror. Run, you fools, run. I doubted myself as the terror reached into my heart. It was upon me. Now, I must move now. I reached out to embrace the emptiness. There, I had it in my grasp. You cannot hold me. Let me go. I must claim my prize. I struggled against terrible strength. The invisible burned me. I spoke words of power to the setting sun. A moment of spiking brilliance illuminated the doorway. I gazed into the eyes of ancient death. Not possible. I've been seen. It screamed into my mind. I was released. For once seen, the raven mocker would soon die. Exhausted, I collapsed in the doorway. Behind me, I heard the deep breath of a fever released and a smile growing. That was The Heart Eater by Mark Cater of Chicago. How many more doors? Mmm, this one has a smell coming from it like garlic. was exhilarating. Let's open it again. No! It's cute. Here, this one. Hello? Hello? Anybody? Help me! Anybody? Help! Please!
Hello? Is there somebody in there? Yes, help me. Get me out of here. Uh, hold on, you're in some kind of box, like a coffin. It's nailed tight. I gotta go find something to take off the lid. I'll be right back. No, don't leave me. He might come back. Who? The lunatic who grabbed me. A lunatic? Now, why would you call me a lunatic? Oh, God, it's you. Please let me go. Did you like how I changed my voice? I've been practicing. I even called the police and gave them fake clues. They'll go round and round and they'll never find you. Why are you doing this? 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 That's what they always say. <laughs> Except for the first one. The first one didn't say anything. And that was no fun. That made me angry. Please. Well, since you said please. Please. Okay, I'll tell you. You're in a box under my bed. I slept on top of you last night. It was nice, quiet. And then you woke up. I'm getting better with the dosages, not like the first one. She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything, and I knew I gave her too much. That ruined everything. So now I'm careful. Please, let me out. I won't tell anyone, I promise. Of course you won't tell anyone, because you're not leaving because we're going to be together forever. No. That's okay, hit the box all you want. It's tight, airtight. <gasps> what? That's right, it's airtight. I figure you've got about an hour left. Then you won't need to sleep in the box anymore. You'll sleep next to me. I, I, I could. Do that. What? I could sleep next to you. You won't have to wait. I'll sleep next to you and be real still if you want. You can let me out now and I'll sleep next to you. You you do that? Just open the box. You'd run away. No, I promise. I promise. It will be nice. Quiet. Still. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, okay, let me go get a crowbar. <laughs> Open up! This is the police! Oh no, they must have traced my call. Open up! Oh God, um, be quiet. Be, be very quiet or, or I, 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 I'm coming. <laughs> Get down on the ground, hands behind your back. Help. Get him out of here, now. Hello? Hello? Wasn't that exciting? Wasn't that fun? I've been working on my voices. Did it sound like the police were really here? Please stop. Of course, I didn't call the police. Fake clues. Fake clues? Who would be that stupid to call the police? I bet you thought that was real just now, right? I bet you thought it was real. It's like theater of the mind. Please. Look, I'll tell you a secret. I was never going to let you out. I never let them out. But I'll keep you company. You've got less than an hour anyway. I'll read you a story. You know, 
when I was little, my mama would read me a story. No matter how long I was locked in my closet, every night, mama would read me a story. She'd say, you're a wicked, wicked boy, but I love you anyway, so I'm going to read you a story. And she'd read me a story. I'll be right back. This is my favorite. It's called The Princess and the Pea. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to marry a princess, but she would have to be a real princess. He traveled all over the world to find one, but nowhere could he get what he wanted. There were princesses enough, but it was difficult to find out whether they were real ones. There was always something about them that was not as it should be. So he came home again and he was sad for he would have liked very much to have a real princess. When a terrible storm came on, there was thunder and lightning and the rain poured down the heavens. Suddenly a knocking was heard at the city gate. That was Princess and the Pea by John Tomcue of Chicago. Let's try the door. Maybe we've seen enough. It's time to go. <laughs> Obviously not. There's a phone ringing. Uh, behind this door. Somebody there? Look, I'm sorry, but I'm literally running out the door. I have a date with Roger, finally. I know, right? Look, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I really don't want to be late. I've been, well, if I leave now, and I mean at this precise moment, I'll be... Well, I'll be an hour and a half early, but still better than that. I can hear you breathing, you know. I know you're there. Roger, is this you? Roger? Hello? You're not Roger. Hello? <sighs> you know, if you're trying to sell me something, you may want to think about getting your sales pitch out a little quicker. <sighs> okay. Here's the thing that really gets my goat. How does everyone always know the worst possible times to call me? I mean, I'm either running out the door or I just jammed an entire burrito in my mouth or I'm taking a bath and it's the middle of the night and my arm's stuck in my bra. My mother is the worst. My mother loves to call me whenever I have a guy over and we're about to, well, you know, and how does she know? I mean, every damn time. <laughs> All right, if, if you're trying to scare me, by the way, I do not scare easily. I read Stephen King. I watch The Walking Dead, and I like clowns. Okay, well, this has been fun, but I really have to, I mean, I can't just, I'm going to hang up now, okay? Goodbye. I don't know where I am. So you're 
not trying to sell me something. Hello? I'm so tired. Okay. I don't know what I'm supposed to, um... How did you get this number? I don't know. I mean, did someone give it to you? Did you get it from a list? He seems so familiar. Do I know you somehow? I, I don't know. I just dialed. They told me I get to make one phone call. Oh. Well, that sounds a bit, um... Are you in prison? Because that kind of sounds like a prison thing. I don't know. Okay, let's think this through. Who are they? I'm cold. Do you need help? What about, um, what do you see? Are you still there? Ma'am? Hello? Tell me what you see. Darkness. Okay, and now you're just messing with me, aren't you? Open your eyes. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Sorry. Um, you could be in a hospital, I suppose. You could be addled. Are you addled? No, never mind. You wouldn't know. Uh, are you hurt? I don't think so. I don't know what to do. Did I live a good life? Oh, Gosh, I, I don't know. I don't know you. I can't. Oh, yes. You know what? Yes. Yes, you did. Lots of friends, good friends, meaningful friends, not the fair weather ones who only call you when they want something or they want to gossip or they're trying to rope you into their small plastic containers of varying sizes cult. Your friends are going to remember you. Whenever they face an important decision, you're the person they're going to think of. What would she do? You're going to be affecting things for centuries. You were always very charitable, and you always volunteered at the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, and you had a very nice flower garden, which you took great pride in, and a stamp collection that won all sorts of awards, and also you play the harp, because I always wanted to learn how to play the harp. You've had a wonderful life. What's your name? Emily. <laughs> Emily, I, that's my name. Emily, Emily Rebecca, Rebecca Holtz. Holtz. No. No. No, 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 no. That's, that's not possible. Are you still there? Why are you calling me? What, what do you want? Okay. You know, I don't, I don't really have to be anywhere. I'm... I'm gonna stay right here with you as long as you need me to. I'm, I'm here. Thank you. Yeah, so what do you wanna talk about?
Ouch! Watch where you're throwing that. That was the phone call by James Ferguson of Plainville, Massachusetts. One more door. Thank God. Uh, whoa, what's that sound? Well, let's see. Inside the Edgar Allan Poe Middle School Library, Gilbert stood before a towering bookshelf and groaned. Oh, man, who would want to read any of these stupid books? A girl he recognized from P.E. class stood a few feet away. Hey, hey you, girl! She thumbed through a collection of poetry and completely ignored him. But when did that ever stop Gilbert? Hey, girl! Hello? Hello? I'm talking to you. The longer you ignore me, the more annoying I get. What? Hey, what if an earthquake happened right now? A 10.0 on the Richter scale. Wouldn't that be horrible? What are you talking about? During an earthquake, don't you think these shells would tip over? We'd be crushed like ants under all these books. Okay, whatever. Hey, where are you going? Shh. The librarian scolded from behind the checkout desk. She held a taut index finger in front of her lips. Gilbert couldn't believe he was actually wasting lunchtime in the library. It proved how badly he wanted answers, how badly he needed a solution to his problems. He was a talker. No matter how many times his teachers called home, no matter how many times his mom took away his television, skateboard, and video games, his brain always came up with things for his lips to say. It wasn't his fault medication hardly helped his gums from flapping. Gilbert had heard rumors of a special book hidden among the plethora of titles in the library, a magical book of spells that supposedly solved students' troubles. He needed that book. Perhaps it would help to shut him up. A voice whispered behind Gilbert. Can I help you? He turned to find the librarian standing there. She was short with round glasses and dark hair. Is there something in particular that you are looking for? And please... Whisper! I want that secret book of spells everyone talks about. Secret book of spells? There is no secret book of spells here. Oh. There is only this book of spells. <gasps> the, the librarian grabbed a thin gray book from directly in front of Gilbert. There was no title or numbered label on the spine or cover. Be careful with this. It's very delicate. It feels weird. It's made of dragon skin. Its pages are glued together with globs of venomous reptilian spit. Dragons don't exist. They do on the island of Komodo. Yeah, right. Where's that? Look it up. This is a library, after all. You can't check out that book, but you are allowed to read it. At your own risk. At my own risk? Silently read the words inside your head. 
but don't speak them if you aren't ready for the consequences. Don't read aloud what isn't allowed. The book almost seemed to hiss as Gilbert opened it. Blood-red words written in nonsensical phrases filled the yellowed pages. On one particularly worn page was a drawing of a closed mouth. A few red lines of unintelligible language were scripted beneath the image. He, he recognized letters from the English alphabet, but the words they constructed made no sense to Gilbert. It had to be the spell to keep him quiet. Gilbert looked around the room and found the librarian with her back turned to him. He took a deep breath and whispered the spell aloud. Roar, say, walk, tomak, far, dak. Gilbert wasn't even sure he was correctly pronouncing most of the words, but at least he was giving it a shot. Suddenly, the librarian was in front of him. I thought I told you not to read that out loud. Get out of here! Before he could exit, the woman snatched the book of spells from his hands. However, not before Gilbert caught one last glance at the drawing of the mouth on the page. The mouth was no longer closed. It now smiled wide, revealing rows and rows of jagged fangs between blistered lips. Later, in science class, Gilbert's palms itched. He did his best not to scratch. His mom had always told him scratching only made itching worse. Gilbert raised his red right hand, and Miss Walker came over and wrote Gilbert a pass to the nurse's office, <laughs> if only to give herself a momentary reprieve from one of her more gabby students. In the hallway, Gilbert looked at his left palm and discovered that he had dug a hole into his flesh with his fingernails. His heart sunk into his guts. The wound wasn't bleeding, but he knew it was only a matter of time before it gushed. He ran to the nurse's office, not daring to look back down at his hands. Mercifully, the nurse had no other patients at the moment. Oh, dear. What did you do to yourself? How bad is it? And then Gilbert saw his hands. Each palm had a hole in it. The holes were the size of nickels. Neither hole bled but he could see the tender pink flesh beneath the skin. The nurse wrapped Gilbert's hands in gauze and sent him back to class. At Edgar Allan Poe Middle School, only the kids with broken or detached limbs were sent home. The itching didn't stop. It only increased. Outside his classroom door, Gilbert froze at the sound of muffled voices. <laughs> the voices didn't come from inside the classroom. No, these voices came from right there in front of Gilbert. They were coming from his hands. What? Gilbert took a deep breath and slowly unwrapped the gauze from his left hand. When he saw what was beneath the bandages, he nearly fainted. The hole in his palm was larger now. Within minutes, it had somehow grown to the size of a 50-cent piece. 
Only now, the hole was a mouth. A mouth with rows and rows of fangs between its blistered lips. <gasps> the little mouth cackled in his grasp. <laughs> Gilbert tore the gauze free of his right hand and found an identical fang monstrosity ah. on his other palm. This one oozed drool and flicked a black snake-like tongue up at him. Boo! said the right hand. Gilbert felt faint, rubbery in the knees. Don't be too scared. The left hand <laughs> shrieked. The classroom door opened. Miss Walker glared at Gilbert. Messing around in the hallway, are we? Yes, said the right hand. Most certainly. Offered the left. What was that? Miss Walker crossed her arms. Gilbert shoved his hands into his pants pockets. N nothing. Can I come in? Only if you can quietly take the quiz. Yeah, I can. But we can't. One of his hands <laughs> squeaked from inside a pocket. Somehow, Miss Walker didn't hear this, and she allowed Gilbert into the classroom. The teacher placed the quiz in front of him and walked away. Gilbert clenched his right hand into a fist, silencing the mouth. He freed the hand from his pocket and grabbed his pencil. Almost immediately, the mouth began to chew on the pencil like a beaver feasting on a small tree. Wooden shavings spilled onto Gilbert's desk. No! With his left hand, he tried to snatch the pencil away from the right. But the left hand wanted a piece, too. And his hands began a tug of war over the pencil. Said, said the left hand. Scrumptious! Declared the right. What was that, Gilbert? No talking during the exam. But it's not me! Uh, yes it is. Said a snooty girl sitting beside him. Gilbert dropped the pencil to the desk and shoved his hands back inside his pockets. I'm done. You didn't even start the quiz. I forgot to study. Idiot! A hand snickered. Dummy! Offered the other. Gilbert slumped down in his seat and, for once, had nothing more to say. I'm so disappointed in you, his mom said at the dinner table that evening. Do you want to go to military school? Behind a full plate of spaghetti and meatballs, Gilbert shook his head. No, I don't. Two teachers called me at work today. Two! They both said you were making voices in class. Now why would you do that? It wasn't me. It was me! Said the hand in his left pocket. And me too! Added the hand in the right. Fanged holes had chewed through his pants pockets and had been biting at his legs for hours. You just can't help yourself, can you? I don't appreciate the ventriloquist act, so you go upstairs. Gilbert didn't even bother to fight back. He trudged upstairs, his belly rumbling. As he closed his bedroom door behind him, his right hand tried to gnaw on the brass doorknob. He smacked the hand across the mouth and it snapped at his left middle finger drawing blood. The blood from Gilbert's bit finger trickled down into his palm. 
The left mouth darted a dark tongue to the blood, lapping it up like a vampire bat. Mm, better than pencil, the left hand said. I want some, said the right mouth. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! <laughs> Gilbert reached under his bed, where his right hand attempted to devour a spider in a single bite. After a few seconds, he found what he was looking for. Aha! Despite the protest from the chomping mouths, Gilbert managed to slide a pair of thick snow gloves over his hands. No! No, 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 no. He then took out his MP3 player, placed headphones over his ears, and listened to his favorite tunes at full blast. At least he drowned out the noisy hands for the rest of the night. The next morning, Gilbert wore the snow gloves to school. His math and art teachers made him remove them during class. His hands spoke freely. He realized that clapping his hands together seemed to stun the mouths into silence. But when they came to, the mouths spoke louder than before. (laughs) After second period, Gilbert went to his English class. There, he showed his palms to Mr. B, a teacher who at least tried to understand kids before biting their heads off. It's sad to say, but... These mouths aren't even the strangest things I've seen at this school. Can you help me? They're driving me crazy. Uh, Let's go to the library together. uh, See if we can't get this sorted out there. Great. Show me the book of spells. Uh, There has to be a way to remedy this. Gilbert took the teacher to the correct shelf. He sighed in relief when he saw that the book still sat there as if waiting for him. Mr. B opened the book and read a few pages. Do you understand it? Not at all. So I'm going to be like this forever? I have a plan. It might not work, but if you're willing to give it a shot... No way, Jose, said the right hand. I'm staying right here, replied the left. Yes, please, anything. Very well. Mr. B wrote some sort of message on a piece of paper and handed it to Gilbert. On it, the teacher had copied the spell, but he had written each word backwards. Uh, Read it aloud. Uh, You'll hopefully be able to pronounce the words correctly this time. Uh, The curse should be reversed. It won't work, taunted the right hand. A failure for sure, agreed the left. Read slowly. Carefully. Cause Raf Niav. And Gilbert did. He did his best to ignore the mouths. He read more carefully than he had read anything else in his life. I don't think it worked. Suddenly, Gilbert's legs turned to jelly. The room spun. His vision blurred. He, he collapsed against a bookshelf, nearly bringing it down upon him. Mr. B caught his student. I'm taking you to the nurse, Gilbert. Wait. They're gone, Mr. B. They're gone. He showed his palms to the teacher. The mouths had vanished. Mr. B smiled wide and gave the boy a high five. Thanks. I'm going to go get a snack before the bell rings. 
I haven't eaten in over a day. Good, said a low voice. I'm starving. Uh, who, who said that? Gilbert's spine tingled. He lifted his t-shirt and screamed. <laughs> I'm hungry, complained a gaping mouth in Gilbert's stomach. Feed me now. <laughs> hmm. That was Loudmouths by Evan Boffman of Long Beach, California. Is that it? Let's get out of here. Yeah, I don't like this. It still won't open. Look, where do those stairs go? The basement, and then the attic. That's where the dolls are. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, everyone, follow me. We're not finished yet. At least, you aren't. We can't subject the audience to the rest. It's not suitable. Oh, what fun. Oh, bring it on. Really? Fine. As long as there are dolls, I'm in. (laughs) No! Not dolls! Oh, come on, Green. We all know how you love dolls. That's about all we have time for, folks. Wish us luck getting out of here. And keep an eye out for our new approximately 20-minute variety hour coming soon. If we get out of here. <laughs> this show has featured the talents of Kat Dean, Joy Thurbjornson Coates, Mark Cater, Sharon Phillips, and Michael Herzovi, directing and sound designed by Trina Kakesa. Special thanks to White Crane Wellness Center and our studio audience for joining us in on this nightmare. Smallfish Radio is produced by Michael John Kelly and Trina Kakesa. Smallfish Radio Theater and Vespinarium providing portable theater for the year. If you'd like to send us something, visit our submissions page at smallfishradio.com. Good night, everyone! Please call 911! Tell them we're trapped! Yeah, wait, wait, what's the address? We have to give them the address! (laughs) 